0: Hey everyone, it's Rob Lullisher. Welcome to the Top Cheddar podcast. Uh, Great guest this week. Really excited to have a Stanley Cup champion, a Memorial Cup champion, player, coach, you know, the list is long, done some amazing things in the world of hockey, uh, and into the business world too. And we're going to be chatting about that. We've got Brent Sutter joining us uh, this week. How are you today, Brent?
1: I'm lovely. Thanks. Lovely. Yeah. He,
0: uh, behind okay. the scenes, he just crushed uh, Bacon and Agar, so we know he's he's a happy camper.
2: That's right.
0: <laughs> and, and joining me is our, our co-host, Mr. Cam Moon. How are you today, Cam?
2: Doing very well. Excited to talk some hockey, talk some business.
0: Yeah, there's uh, there's going to be no shortage of questions uh, uh, for Brent, I'm sure. So uh, I don't want to waste any time. Mooner, take us away. What do you got?
2: All right. Uh, yes, we you talked about, Rob, you talked about Stanley Cups and Canada Cups and World Junior Championships and uh, Brent I want to go way back uh, yep. one of the first championships that you were a part of was the Centennial Cup 1980 yep. Red Deer Rustlers you played with the Rustlers before you played with the Lethbridge Broncos. Uh, when you look back on that team Brent and that was a it was a pretty stacked up club. What are some of your uh, best memories of that 1980 Red Deer Rustler team.
1: Well we were tough. <laughs> you know, we had a yeah. big team. Uh, our smallest defenseman was Darren McKay, and he was five foot ten, two hundred and five, two hundred and ten pounds. And uh, we had a tough team. And back then, the game was obviously played different than it is than it is today. But uh, but we had a lot of talented players. You think off that team, we had four first round draft picks in shell between yeah. myself and brother Richie, and Ronnie, and uh, Randy Moeller. Um, and then we had a couple guys, as twenty-year-olds, that year signed signed a professional contracts. So, uh, you know, it was it was a hell of a team. We had a great team, but it, you know what? It was kind of the that was my seventeen-year-old season. Um, I came to Red Deer when I was fifteen and made the Rustlers. And our team that year was uh, was a pretty good team. We had brother Dwayne Kelly Kissio. Um, you know, we had some really good players, and yet we. We, uh, our coach, Sheldon Ferguson, uh, stepped down as coach around Christmas time, and John Chapman came in and uh, took over as coach, and we had a, we had a real great stri- uh, finish, Then we played St. Albert, actually, in uh, in a playoff, our first round of playoffs, and uh, I think out of the seven games, I think we had four games in, uh, in pregame warmups, we brawled, and uh <laughs> Game seven, we were up in St. Albert, and we, uh, same thing, big brawl opened up, actually it was crazy. And, uh, and then um, we all went home, we got beat that game. We all went back and we were uh, partying for a couple days. And then like, it was like day three in the afternoon, Chappie John Chapman, who came in and took over as coach, called us and said, We won the protest. We're going in tomorrow night to play game eight in St. Out. We're like, What? Oh my god.
0: (laughs) What was the protest (laughs) about? Yeah, what was the protest?
1: The protest was about that way after warmups, like at that time you can only dress 19 players. And uh I guess during the warm-up. We, uh, they dressed 22. They had three guys sitting in the dressing room, fully dressed. And as soon as the brawl started, they all came out. So we got out number 22 to 19 in the brawl. And I guess we got the, uh, we won the protest because we were three men short from a brawl that I <laughs> oh <laughs> had, <laughs> nothing to, had nothing to do with the game. <laughs> and anyway, so we go back and we play game eight and we end up getting beat four, three, uh, uh hung over. We played. Uh, well, we played our best and uh, we played well, but uh, St. Albert had a great team. I mean, they had Mark on the team. SCA. They had a lot of good, real good players, twenty-year-old players too, that came back from the dub to play as twenty-year-olds in St. Albert. And and Mark's dad, Doug, is a great coach, and uh, he was coaching the team. And yeah. um, so you know it. It, it and then, so the next year, Chappie left, and uh, our team well i think we won like i don't know maybe 10 11 12 games all year we were awful and uh um we just we just you know there was a whole new agenda came in we we brought players in that uh uh you know didn't understand junior a hockey as far as this level in alberta because alberta junior a hockey was a really good league at, and uh, uh <laughs> and yeah. Darren McKay, that was on our team, him and I played 15-year-olds the year before. We knew how tough St. Albert was. So our coach, Joe Arling, Joe Arling at the time, came in from Saskatchewan, and he brought these kids from down east and all this stuff. Well, they come in. He decided we got an exhibition game in St. Albert, and he tells Darren and I, you guys don't have to play in St. Albert, and we're like, Okay, like these guys have no clue what's going to happen when we get up there. And uh, so Darren and I went up there and we we're just sitting in the stands. We're like, okay, we're waiting for this to happen in warm-up. Sure enough, warm-up starts. St. Albert came comes out of the gates. Boom, gloves off. I mean, there wasn't even a... There wasn't even a warm-up. They just came out basically with their gloves on. The brawl uh, <laughs> the brawl was the
0: warm-up,
2: yeah. <laughs> the brawl was yeah. the warm-up, yeah.
1: We we came out with our pink gloves on and uh we got demolished. And Darren McKay and I were sitting in a stancher like Told you so. Like no like <laughs> this is this is a different league. And uh this league is a tough league and it's hard to play in and uh and we uh we got destroyed, I think, like 11 nothing that game or something, exhibition. And Darren and I were sitting in the stands. We're like, you know, it was just like, you know, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't think that, that uh, I don't know what they thought to be quite honest, whether they were uh, thinking that, okay, we just won't play Darren and Brett. I mean, we we're the two best players on the team and, uh, uh, but Anyway, it doesn't matter. It it was a real, it was right. a real wake. Yeah. And you know what? That year we got destroyed all year. It was awful year. Uh, and Character uh,
0: building year. Yeah. Oh,
1: and then yeah. you know what? The team sold the next summer. Elf um, Cadman, Reg Kench brother Brian, Graham Parsons took over as general manager, and he was part owner of the team. The Ferguson family had sold the team to 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 these guys, and they brought Chappie back as coach. And Jappy was an unbelievable recruiter. Like he went all over the place, Western Canada. Like he went up into <laughs> went up into the bush in northern Saskatchewan, <laughs> northern Alberta, northern BC. And he brought these guys out of there that were good hockey players and but tough as nails. And they were all playing in that, I believe it was the Caribou Caribou Junior. Oh, okay. Yep. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: Like N- Nelson, Fort Nelson. Yep. Uh
2: Grand Prairie was uh, Grand in uh, Prairie, Fort Saint John. John. Yeah,
1: like it was all it was all these teams, all these places, in northern northern uh, part of Alberta and BC. And, uh, it was a hell of a league. It was a tough league. Well, these guys all came in, and our training camp that year was unbelievable. It was just like this was like night and day uh, compared to the year before. And and Chappie built a heck of a team, and we had a big huge team. And we lost. I think that year we lost nine games all year or something that year. And uh I think we might have only lost one game in playoffs. We played Saint Albert in the first round of playoffs that year and uh, and that was uh that was uh that was kind of the year. But you know what's funny, we had a game in Saint Albert middle. It was in I believe it was in earlier this season.
2: Is this when your parents came from Viking?
1: Yeah. Yeah, okay. And, I love this. <laughs> so we go in there and uh we played in Sherrod Park a couple of dates before and Chappie had got suspended for 12 games for chasing the ref around the ice after the game (laughs) and uh throwing his cowboy hat at him did did he catch him (laughs) did he (laughs) so we uh we uh we go into St. Albert like two nights later now Graham Parsons is going to be our coach and GMO Graham is never going to be our coach Graham has never coached before and we had a our trainer, Terry uh the Hook Setsmith. Smith, his name, his yeah. name was Hook. Well he'd been suspended from life from playing minor pro hockey in uh in, in the US because of the type of player he was. And now he's our trainer. So we go in there and we got a tough team. Well, St. Albert comes out. Well, it it was just like deja vu. it was like gloves were off full-fledged brawl it went from on the ice into the lobby and out the front doors and we all have our skates on and we're fighting with the fans and (laughs) i i remember being in the getting in the penalty box and fighting in the penalty box with a couple guys i don't even know and in the fan jumping down the billing box and it was just like it was all on right and uh so we ended up going there and so the police show up. They shut the lights off, <laughs> and the police show up. So you got the police in Saint Albert showing up to the game. They make us all go in the dress rooms. The both teams separate, go their ways. We couldn't find Graham Parsons through all this. He was hiding underneath the bench. <laughs> when the fight started, <laughs> and Terry, 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 uh, Terry was uh, uh, fighting Doug Messier, and uh, and Doug ended up getting suspended for life from. Uh, after that and Chappie wasn't engaged or he would have been probably suspended for life too but he wasn't that yes. team obviously and uh, so anyway we go in the dressing room and the police tell us that you have 10 minutes to get out of town <laughs> so we couldn't even take our clothes off we took our skates off put our runners on we walked to walked through all our clothes in our hockey bags walked to the bus threw the bags underneath we all went on the bus with all our equipment on. And mom and dad pull in the parking lot. They're coming to the game. And dad walks over and he sees us all walking with our skates over our- <laughs> on the Going bus. to the outdoor ring boys? Yeah. 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 And uh he comes up and he just took one look at us. Of course, guys are bloody and cut up and jerseys ripped and you name it, it was everything. And he just looked at those so you dumb son of a bitches!" <laughs> and walked back to his car his mom was crying she turned around walks back and <laughs> they went back to biking. we got on the bus full of equipment had to drive all back to red here with full equipment on and changed the dressing room red
2: we got back <laughs> wow
1: <laughs> crazy stories yeah
2: yeah I, crazy uh, times that's uh that's unbelievable i know that that incident made uh, back when there was the Alberta Report magazine. It was in there because it was such a big deal, which is which is unbelievable. Well, you know, they, they called that Black Wednesday
1: because it was a black thing for a yeah. game, right? Because that, that, that brawl was all on. Like, that wasn't just on the ice. That was in the lobby, out on the street, um, you know. And we had fans there. They had fans there. It was just like a, the whole facility was going toe-to-toe. And uh, it just carried on, and, and it went from on the ice into the lobby, down the concourse, out into the out into the park. Like, it was just a zoo, yeah. and uh, Brother Darryl was playing minor pro, playing in the American Hockey League for Moncton, uh, and he was Chicago's uh, American Hockey League team, and that was Darryl's first year uh, playing pro back in the, back in North America. And he called me at 7 in the morning, and I was at Dan and Mark tight woke me up and his first question out of his mouth, he goes, what the hell happened? Cause we already heard down here what took place last <laughs> yeah. night in the in, PM in edition Allers. of the hockey news. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> it was, it was crazy. Yeah. Yeah.
2: You, uh, the next year, Brent, you go and play with the Lethbridge Broncos in the Western hockey league. But by then you had already been a first round pick of the New York Islanders and, and you get some games in with the Islanders. And then that was back when, and when we talked with Mike Moeller on an earlier podcast about back then that if teams got into injury troubles, they could call yeah. guys up in the middle of the season from junior. You can't do that now. But uh, tell me about your, your first NHL games. What was that like for an 18-year-old that was playing junior?
1: Well, you know, I, went, I, was, I was the first player ever drafted from junior A hockey into the National Hockey League in the first round. Of the National Hockey Draft. I got taken 17th overall by the Adlers. Um So I went to the Islanders camp, um, you know, being a young guy, obviously 18, uh, in just a whole, and they just won the Stanley Cup. That was their first yeah. Stanley Cup to beat the Flyers. So you go in there and it's, you know, it, it's, it's an amazing experience being a young guy like that and going to a team that had played well into May, won the Stanley Cup, back then the playoffs are usually over with by the middle to the third week of May in the finals in the shell. and uh, they go there and you're like, oh my God, like this is, and it, of course being in a whole different world in Long Island, New York, coming from Red, or coming from Viking, Alberta, Red Deer, Alberta, and uh, my brother Dwayne was there, and uh, he played there the year before as a rookie, and uh, uh so that that certainly made a little more comfort in it, and I'd met a few players just when they came up to the year before in Western Canada, and, uh, and went to a couple of games, and you know, and met met a lot of guys. They had a lot of Western mm-hmm. Canadian players on their team, and, but it was different. Like it was definitely a rude awakening for me. And actually, my first exhibition game was in Chicago at the Chicago Stadium. Well, my first game playing professional hockey, and I'm, and brother Daryl's playing for Chicago, so it's center ice, opening face-off. There's Clark Gillies, myself, and brother Dwayne, and I'm taking the face-off, and on the other side is Rich Preston, Tom Lysiak, and brother Daryl, and that line was an outstanding line a couple of years in Chicago before then well Tom lac was an unbelievable gift to hockey player like very very underrated player and uh opening face off the puck gets dropped he puts it between my legs I turn around he puts it back to in between my legs and gives it to his defenseman <laughs> it's just like I was like okay welcome to the NHL, kid <laughs> that was my that was my very first game as far as uh, in Nancello's an exhibition game but then I went back I got to play a few exhibition games I went back to uh, Lethbridge, and uh, uh, went through the year there actually about 10 of us players from Red Deer went on to Lethbridge that year Chappie did his coach too so he took like half the team with us and, we went, and now we're all playing major junior hockey and uh, I got called up in March and Mooner was like Mooner was saying back in the day you could if they ran into problems, they can go into the junior with injuries and, and pick players at a junior after so many so many injuries. Well, the Islanders had Brian Taraci and Steve Tamilini, uh were out then at that time. So when they came out west, they called me up. And uh, uh, I played three games. I played in Calgary, Edmonton, and Los Angeles. And uh, it was... <laughs> It was, it was from one extreme to the other. Okay, you go in, brother Rodney Ritchie drive me up from Lethbridge, first games in Calgary. Now listen, back then the Calgary Flames were the biggest team in NHL. I mean, if they're, they were huge. I think Jamie Hislop might've been their smallest player. And, uh, but they were, and Jamie's pretty, pretty well fit and stocky guy himself. But they, they got guys like Willie Platt, Harold Filipov, uh, Eric Vail. Brad Marsh, uh, I'm just taking like all oh, guys are 6'3", 6'4", 200 plus pounds, and here's me 5'11", 170 pounds soaking wet, and uh, I'm going in to play my first handshel game. Well, we get beat eleven to four, and you know it was it was it was actually you know I look back it was probably for me personally and seeing what the National Hockey League was like and seeing the fine line between being good and and, uh, um, and being just okay. In that night, we were obviously not very good at all. And we played a team that were a good hockey team, but they weren't a Stanley Cup team, and uh, like the Adlers were. And John Tinelli, Wayne Merrick, and Bobby Nystrom or played on the line together and after the game was over at the old Calgary Corral there's like you come off the ice and you go down into the dressing room there's like three steps down and they're they're just narrow dress rooms right and and I'm sitting in the very back wall with these three guys and they were minus seven that night cool Minus seven, they were on for seven goals against and nine four, even strength. L -L comes in, (laughs) steps down the steps, walks straight back, and I'm like, oh my God. Like, I'm like, my first game, he's gonna come to (laughs) me. Yeah, I don't know what's gonna be said. And he looks at these three guys, he stands about 10 feet from them, and does this to his glasses because he wore glasses. Goes like this, and he goes, pushes them up you three assholes and turns around walks out of the turns, walks out of the dressing room well i was like i looked at these guys and their heads were down they're like oh and they kind of looked at each other to shrug like just one of these things nice, what are you gonna do so we went on to edmonton and we uh actually uh go to vancouver and uh uh i didn't get any points or any goals that game and I went into vancouver and i got a goal and an assist and we won 5-2 and that next game I got a chance to play with Mike Bossy and that was a great experience in itself and uh, obviously playing with 50 goals scored in the Inshallah and yeah I had a goal assist we won 5-2 then we went into LA two nights later now this is my experience going into LA to California right for the first time in my life and never been there before obviously and uh, uh, it was it was just the whole thing was you just all playing in the LA forum. You see these games at late at night on, sometimes on Hockey Night Candid, nine at night or whatever. And they got the Butch Goring's, the U.S. Weedings. Uh, you know, they just, you know, they got a, all these players that you watch with their gold uniforms, you know, and stuff like that. That was really quite an experience. We, we ended up beating them 2-1 that night. And uh, I assisted on the first goal, and I scored the game winner in the third period. We won 2-1. And after the game, Al comes in the dressing room, and uh, guys are all happy and excited. Obviously, you're winning and won. And uh, I had four points in the three games. And, and Al comes in and says, guys, can you all please sit down? So everyone sits down. And he goes, uh, uh, I want to inform everybody that uh, uh, Brent has to go back. To, uh, tomorrow morning back to Lethbridge. Uh, you know, he had three, three, you know, three games here. Played great, and uh, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be disappointing to see him go. But this is just the rules. We have to let him go back to juniors. So, so it was, it was a great experience for me. Um, it was uh, certainly unbelievable to be well, going back to junior hockey after experiencing that, and. Uh, just feeling so much more confident, knowing that you can produce at the NHL level, knowing that you can play big minutes. uh, You can play in all situations. Al played me in all situations. uh, And I was very comfortable with it. And I think that's really set the tone for my whole career was just getting those three games uh, under my belt and being able to play at that level and play well. So that was, uh, I look back to those games as kind of the real, starting point as a player to understand and learn what it's going to take to play in professional hockey and my training changed everything changed after that and it was a great uh, experience for me.
2: I know that next year you you started in Lethbridge uh, and then halfway through the year you go up to the Islanders and then you get to be part of a Stanley Cup in your first year in the NHL you guys beat Vancouver four straight in 82 and I know we got a picture in um, In the office here, back in the kitchen. I absolutely love the picture. And it's after you guys have won the the Stanley Cup and uh, Richie and Ronnie are there and your dad's there and you guys are having like a post-game beer uh, right in the old visitor room at the Pacific Coliseum. What do you remember, Brent, from that first Stanley Cup?
1: Well, that whole year, you know, it, I, I went into training camp and uh, I led the team in scoring in training camp. You go back, you go into camp very confident, right, from the, just uh, that experience you had the year before, those three games and training the right way all summer. And, uh, uh, you know, back then, I probably went one of the few guys who went to camp in shape. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I used to use training camp to get in shape, right? And uh, the mindset was completely different back then. And I think we had, like, I don't know, three bikes in our in our weight room for everybody. And there was the odd free weight, and, and there was a swimming pool that you could swim in. So that was a kind of our off-ice workouts, but uh, um, yeah, and then and, and camp was over. I had a chance to play in all the games, uh, every exhibition game. Um, camp was over and and Bill and Al, Mr. Torrey, our general manager, the team and president of the team they took me in the coach's office and said that hey we want to be loyal to the group that won the Stanley Cup here um, we uh, you know we want to send you back and so I went back um, and it was disappointing because I knew I had a really good camp and I felt like I could have played there but at the same time it was, it was obviously the best thing that ever happened to me there was being sent back and going back to junior and um you know i go back there and it, i played 30 i don't know what—is 30 35 games and i had 80 some points and uh and i got a call from the world junior team that was the first year the world juniors was actually going to be taking place it was going to be played in north dakota and uh, uh dave king called me in middle of December on December 11th something like that it was and said uh, hey we want a Navy to our team and we like you to be our captain and I was like okay um, okay fine I could you know it was obviously something that was the world juniors obviously a tremendous honor to be named and be be mentioned that you're gonna be captain of the team too and um, so I thought that's what I was gonna be doing And I got a call about two days later from Mr. Torrey saying to me, Brent, we're not going to want you to go to World Juniors. We want you to come and play for us on the 20th in Detroit. and No, 21st in Detroit, 22nd, back home in Long Island against Winnipeg. And then we want you to go back home on the 23rd, have your last Christmas that you're going to ever have at home. And we're going to bring you back up first week of January, and that's exactly what happened. I went in Detroit, played in Detroit, uh, went to Long Island, played the game at home against Long Island, gone and played next morning, came back, spent Christmas at at the farm with mom and dad, and uh, and went back to Lethbridge, played like three games, and on January fourth they got the call, and uh, and they brought me up, and the rest is history, and then. We went on a great run there. Um, you know, we went in, and they were when I got in there. They were struggling. The Islanders, where they were, they had, and for whatever reason, they they had those where they just couldn't. Um, and here's a team that now had won a Stanley Cup, and there or uh, you know, they were, you know, they were, uh, they were just a dominant team and yet when they got into some kind of the funks they just seemed to struggle get out of it whatever i get in there and of course i'm all piss and vinegar right like just <laughs> and yeah. r- running around the ice i was fighting i was uh and i mean i had obviously a good for played 41 games and had 41 points um but i led the team in penalty minutes uh it was crazy but it was kind of like a jolt for those guys and we end up breaking the shell record of 15 straight wins and uh and the way we did those games down the stretch was unbelievable when you're down 2-1 against the colorado rockies the last you know two and a half minutes left to go in the game and they're they're the team that's they know it's the night where we could break the record and they're playing all lights out and, And we scored late to tie it up. And then John Tinelli scored with a minute and 15 seconds left to go in the game to win 3-2. And so that's how we broke the record. And uh, then we went on one. Yeah, we won the Stanley Cup in Vancouver. It's funny. And the season all went great. And, right, everything was great. Playing in game one of the Stanley Cup playoffs against New York Rangers, best of five series. And... I'm carrying the puck out of our zone, the score is tied 4-4 in the third period. And I'm the last guy coming out of the zone, I try to beat Rob McLaughlin, Rob McClanahan. And uh, he he played for the US Olympic team actually. And uh, <laughs> and he stripped me of the puck and he went in and scored and they won 5-4 in game one. Al didn't say a word after the game, didn't say nothing. I knew that i messed up right and uh, I never got a regular shift until game three or four of the Stanley Cup finals I, I played I played on the fourth line of course back then everyone's fourth lines are tough guys right like that's what they're there for they're not there to play hockey and so I'm playing on the fourth line not and I was taking. He was, you know, I was killing penalties, playing power play before, taking key face offs. I never got any of that, and I sat there. I get like four or five shifts a game. Never, you know. And of course, you're, you know, you're just you're doing everything you possibly can because you're, you know, you're a team guy and you're want the team to be successful. And yeah, it was a downer. And uh, and then we got into. And the players kept coming to me and saying, Brent, like, what's going on? I'm like, they're not telling me anything. I don't know anything. And they say, well, that's just Al Bill. Or, you know, that's just the way they are. And, and, you know, keep your head up, whatever. The players were awesome. team, the guys were all great. And anyway, we go through playoffs and get to game two, the Stanley Cup finals against Vancouver at home. And we got up, I forget what the score was. We got up like 4-1 or something like that in game two. And uh Al put me on the ice. He actually there was a face off in the offensive zone. And okay, I haven't played a regular shift now and I don't know how many games, right? Like in since game since game one of the playoffs, and it's already game game this is game two of the Stanley Cup finals. And uh, puts me on he takes Butch Groin off the ice and puts me on the ice. I'm like, Why well, like like what are you doing honest to God it was halfway through the game he didn't take me off the ice the rest of the night I was double shifting I was like well what's this all about and the guys are all like you know and so I'm playing and I go in and we win that game we go into Vancouver for game three he starts me opening opening lineup I was first star of that game and we go to the final, go to game four, and I ended up being second star of that game, and he played the shit of me the last two games in Vancouver. Like, I was like, what the freak? Like, I hadn't played all the playoffs, right? And uh, after the game is over, we're celebrating, and this was before this pitcher was taken, Mooner. Yeah. The, we're celebrating, and I still had my equipment on. One of them dressed him, champagne's flying, everything like you see on TV. Jim Pickard, our equipment manager, comes in and says, Brent Radar, which is Al's nickname, wants to see you outside the dressing room. And I was like, Okay, like we just want to stand like like, what does he want to see? Yep. me?" I walk out and he's standing. And Al's like six, one, but his shoulders are about this like, his shoulders yep. are massive, wide like, he's a real, his shoulders are really broad, shoulders like, really wide. He's standing there. He grabs me underneath my neck, yeah, and twists my twists me around because I had my uh, my underwear on, uh, and still my bottom half, my gear, my my shoulder pads and all pads were off. He twists, twists the my underwear and kind of chokes me, and says, "What did you learn through this?" I'm like, uh. you know, I didn't know what to say because here we are. We just won the Stanley Cup Finals, right? Stanley Cup just win. Guys are in there celebrating, and drinking beer and champagne. He's got me by my throat, outside the dressing room. He goes, why did you learn from this? I'm like, I'm not sure. And he says, I'll tell you what you learned, son. He goes, you're going to have a long career in the NHL and I'm proud of you. And drops his hand off and walks away. And I played 18 years, you know, yeah. and uh, and he just, he made me mentally tough. And you know, Al Al was my coach for a long time along Long Island. And, I was like his uh and then through it all you go through so much together and you're you know you're, you're like his son and I was actually the last player to play at Long Island for like two straight years that were part of the Stanley Cup here the Stanley Cup team and the day I got traded um, October 25th of 1991. Uh, we had discussions the year before going into the trade deadline because the team was going the other way our owner had disappeared um we were on a real downtime downturn, and Bill had gotten a job with the Florida Panthers to be their new GM and president when they they were coming into the league the next year, and uh, uh, and so he talked to me about you know Brent, maybe we all need to move on, maybe Al needs to step away, and I'm moving on, and maybe it's time you get you know get a fresh start somewhere else and. So we went through this all through the summer and I actually, we came back home, Connie and I and the kids came back home from New York and I put my house up for sale that summer and when we left and then I took it off the market. I had an offer but I was afraid to sell it. I was just, I'm not sure what's going to happen here so I didn't sell it. I went to the Canada Cup, 91 Canada Cup and Bill met me in Montreal, when we played there and him and I uh, talked after a game. and. You know, he was still unsure about whether he was going to trade me or not, or what he should do, and he was unsure what Al's thoughts were going to be, whether he was going to step away for a while from coaching, or it was just kind of all over the map. And then I came home and came back here. They gave me two weeks off after the Canada Cup. I went back to Long Island. Uh, Carney and I drove back with the kids and uh, uh, started the season. Um I think, I don't know, I'm sure whether I played eight games or something like that. I think it was eight games, and uh, um, I got a phone call. Bill was in Montreal, and no one knew this, but we had played the night before in Montreal, came back, they gave us a day off, but Bill's assistant died in the office that afternoon, and she was young. She was like in her late 30s or whatever. and. He was in Montreal and he called me and he was devastated on the phone. And uh, he says, Brent, he goes, "Uh, you know, this took place. And I said, no. And uh, he said, yeah, this happened this afternoon in our office. Um, I just been sitting here thinking about so many things. And he says, I think that it's time that we all move on. And uh, Bill made his decision that he was gonna go on to Florida. Al made his decision that he was going to finish the year coaching, and I think he coached another year, and then was then end up consulting with the team. Um, and I got traded to Chicago. Uh, it was on the 25th. I got a actually. I woke up in the morning and I read it in the paper that I had been traded myself, and Brad Lauer had been traded to Chicago for Steve Thomas, Adam Creighton, and a second round draft pick. And, uh, and I, so I'm like, okay, I gotta go to the rink. I go down the rink and uh, everything's quiet down there. I mean, I was usually the first guy in there. So it wasn't like that it was unusual, but it was more than, it was just eerie feeling because the trainers were staying away. And, and finally one of the trainers came to the restroom and said, Brent, Bill wants to see you down in the office. Well, of course I know what's happening, right? So um, that, you know, the night before actually they were playing the, at that time, the U.S. Olympic team was traveling around playing exhibition games against NHL teams, and we played the U.S. Olympic team. And Patrick Plottley and I did not dress. We sat up in a suite, and the phone rang halfway through the first period, and it was Bill. Two of the suite we're sitting in, and said, and Pat picked Patrick picked up the phone, and Bill told Flats, he goes uh, tell Brent I want to see him down in the training room after the first period. So I knew there was only four places that I, that I was going to be traded to because Bill asked me for a list like four days before that of four teams. So I gave him my four teams and we, uh, because I go down to the trading room and Bill's standing there and he goes, uh, I think we got a trade done tonight for you. And I said, okay, where he says to Chicago. I said, okay. He said, uh, I'm just waiting for confirmation because Mr. Wirtz, Bill Wertz, the dad, who, who was the chairman of the board of the of the Inchell at the time and also owner and chair of the president of the Blackhawks, he's in surgery right now. He's having hemorrhoid surgery <laughs> and we'll uh when he gets out of surgery he's gonna confirm it all for everybody so we have to wait for surgery to get done. Well no one heard back from him that night so that's all I found out the next morning. And when I went into Bill's office, Bill told me how oh, this was done. And it was a very emotional time because we were, you know, Bill was, uh, and myself, i have been with Bill for 10 years. He's my general manager. He dropped me. Uh, it was hard. And then he said to me, he said, uh, Al wants to see it in his office. So I said, okay. So I go out of Bill's office, walk by Joanne, another one of the assistants there. Uh, knock on Al's door Al's door is closed it's never closed knock on Al's door and I go in there and he's got all the lights off in the office except his office is a long office but maybe like I don't know 16 feet wide but twice as long and at the very back of his office is where his desk sits and he's got a wall behind him and in the wall unit, there's these two floodlights. All the lights are off except for these two floodlights. And he's got his chair, he's got a high back chair. And he's got his chair and he's facing the wall unit. So all I can see is the top of his head when I walk in. I walk in and he doesn't turn his chair around. He just still stays the same. And I went, Al? He doesn't say anything? I thought know he was dead. Like, right? <laughs> so I get closer. And to, to his desk and I went, Radar? Well, he turned around and he was just a mess. And he was just crying. And uh, he was really sobbing. And uh, he goes, Brennan, it's over. It's over, it's done. The Stanley Cup years are finished. And that really hit home to me. And of course, and I'm, I'm all messed up too, and uh, in tears and stuff. And, you know, he treated me like a son. Like, he goes, uh, you know, it was just like, even when I came, was in Chicago, I'd call Al, I'd talk to him, even when I first bought the Rebels here before Al got sick, because uh, um, he, he ended up uh, getting basically dementia, and he couldn't remember a whole lot down near the end of his life, and uh, um, so I'd call him and talk to him, and, uh, but it was, a, it was a tough, that was a real tough day, that was, uh, you know, and, you know, you go through it after playing somewhere as long as I did for 10 years and win Stanley Cups and your team and the team for the last four years, uh, have been, you know, been a big, big part of it for 10 years and in the community and everything like that, and then this transpired. And it was definitely, uh, it was definitely, uh, a, a time in my life that it was a, in one sense, it was a good time because I knew deep down I needed this for my you know we just need to move on um bill obviously went on did some great things al stayed a little bit involved in coaching consultants uh retired very wealthy and all that stuff and uh but i still had a career to go on to and um and yeah it was a great step by tremendous place to raise your family in chicago uh we had uh great teammates great organization great people the words family was as awesome a family as you could possibly play for uh, as far as loyalty to their players. And it was, it was, it was the right time, but it was a difficult time too.
0: What were the other three teams you were willing to go to Brent at that time?
1: Uh, I'd give yeah. them a list of four teams. Yeah. Uh, Calgary. Okay. Uh, Gretz had got traded to LA and Gretzky had talked to me at the Canada cup and uh, Tommy Webster was our assistant coach then at the Canada Cups, and Gretz had just asked, like, just basically just simple question about how, you know, what, you know, if you ever, have you ever given any thought to move on from Long well, If you do, LA is a great place to play, and anyway, so, so LA was one of my teams. Uh, I really thought I was going to LA. That was the team I thought I was gonna be, in. And, and I got told after, Tommy Webster, was coaching team at the time he thought it was a done deal and uh but whatever happened it didn't work out and um i'm trying to think it was calgary la st louis and chicago were the four teams uh, at the time Mm. so but anyway it was all i really what i was I, i really wanted to stay in the states if i could though uh calgary was because it was home um Edmonton we were in a big transition at the time and I just knew with their team and the way it was that there's probably a chance that slots wouldn't be able to make that happen even if they even if Bill had called them so you know I think the Oilers did they not go on and two years later they think they won the Stanley Cup again or whatever it was
2: or maybe it was that year yeah they won in 90 90 yeah, yeah, yeah 90 so. was their last one but yeah okay. things were starting to change then yeah So think
0: back to, uh, starting as a 15 year old Brent playing Messier in St. Albert. How many, how many games did you play against Mark uh, over the years?
1: Well, I played a lot against Mark, you know, obviously, and Mark's obviously it was great, great player, right from when I played against him in, in junior A hockey. And he played the year before as a 15 year old. And it was unusual for 15 year olds to play junior A hockey. And, uh, Mark had played the year before as a fifteen-year-old, and then I played the next year as a fifteen-year-old. So we played a lot against each other. Uh, there was always, I a, there was always, you know, a lot of mutual respect. Um, I always respect the way Mark played. I, I love the way he played. Uh, you know, when you look at him and Gretz as a one-two punch, and it's a perfect the way you like your top-two centerman to be set up as, right? And, uh, and you know, in Long Island, we had Trotch, myself. Butch Cormoran as our top three, and uh, but uh, yeah, Mark was, good. And, then, and then having an opportunity to play with Mark and Gretz Paul, um, you know, Kevin Lowe and these guys, and Glenn yeah. Anderson, Grant Fear in the Canada Cups, yeah. uh, was a great experience having the slats, coach me the one year in the Canada Cup in 84, I mean, I think there was only... I believe there was Mess, Gretz, Paul, myself, were the only four players that played in all three Canada Cups in 84, 87, 91. So, you know, you really, and you win and have success. Uh, I've always had a tremendous amount of respect for those guys. Uh, they're just awesome guys, uh, awesome hockey players, awesome teammates. Uh, you, know, you know, Gretz here is a guy that, you know, the best player in, in the world of maybe all time. And, uh, um, you know, but he was just like one of the guys. He was, he treated us so well. And um, Mess was the same way, Cough Grant. I mean, the whole group was yeah. fantastic to be teammates with. And um, I was very fortunate to be able to play with those guys in such a, you know, high level world type tournament for three times. And then you know, when you play against each other, you, Obviously, you played a win, win right? so there's a huge level of competitiveness, but it was always with a great deal of respect.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Rob, I know you're going to talk some, some business. Um,
1: but before we sure. do, Cam,
2: I, yeah. I think
0: you shared a story. I love it. Yeah. That, that, uh, there's a lot of fans from opposing teams out there that remember your your time and with the Islanders and
2: well, it was a big rivalry, the Rangers yeah. and the Islanders. Brent, you got to tell the story about you and your brother Dwayne going to a Mets game. It's one of oh. my favorites.
1: All right, so <laughs> we win the Stanley Cup and uh, we'd beaten the Rangers in playoffs. Uh, this was the this I believe this was my. Uh, it was their second Stanley Cup. Yeah, it was. It was uh, set number four, and uh, the second one. I was there at where I played. I was there for the second one too, but I was a black ace at the time. And uh, but anyway, so Dwayne and I and the girls, our wives, go to a game after the Stanley Cups. So we're like four or five days later. We're sitting in the stands. And, you know, it's match right. Full, and they had a good team yeah, at the time too, yeah. so it was a full stadium, and we're sitting there, and we're having our beers, and having fun, and half in the bag, and <laughs> so we decided we got to go to the bathroom, and Dwayne had just bought this beautiful cream-colored leather, <laughs> kind of like hush puppy shoes, the slip-on shoes, and that was kind of the thing back in the day, like these light shoes people were wearing around. He did, He thought they were so awesome. He just was in love with them. So we got, we go to the bathroom. Edward's there, and he's in one year. There's a year between us, and then I'm at the next year. And we're doing our thing. Next thing you know, this guy comes in, and I see him out of the corner of my eye. And Dwayne's sitting there whistling as he's taking his break. and this guy kind of comes up pulls it out, and honestly, God, lets, pisses all over Dwayne's legs and in his new shoes, and turns, t- turns around. <laughs> He's got a ranger jacket on. Well, I'm laughing, right? I'm, <laughs> I'm pissing my pants laughing. Yeah. This guy's got a ranger coat on. And he turns around, he goes... F you son around, <laughs> <Dadlers>. <laughs> Turns around. well Dwayne quickly does is fly up and turns around and chase this guy down the concourse now Dwayne has got pee all over his legs <laughs> all over his shoes and this guy's turned around fingering him as he's running down the concourse well I'm standing at the bathroom door in the concourse humped over laughing so like, it was so funny well then you know, on the way home We leave there. Dwayne's hot, and we go back. We go back and sit down, and Cindy, Dwayne's of ICL Maddie, is just looks." She goes,
2: "Guy just pissed all over me."
1: (laughs) 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 yeah. So we get in the car and we home. Now we got to drive back to Long Island, (laughs) or back to our homes. We get on the Long Island Expressway. It stinks so bad in the car. I said Dwayne, like getting rid of those shoes. He takes them off and throws his shoes out the window yeah. along the expressway. That's where guys home. He was oh. so mad. Brad, yeah, I don't know. He was. I don't know if he was more mad because the guy peed on him or because the guy wrecked his shoes. I don't know which one it was. But, well, I always say only only in New York that can something like that can happen.
2: That's but a it, rivalry.
1: It happened. it happened. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, they love wow. you there, right on. Yeah. yeah.
0: So I'll take us a little, um, you know, your, your career, you retire, I think, uh, 98 was your last year, Brent, and then you had the opportunity to, um, get into the actual business of hockey and you bought the Red Deer Rebels in, uh, 99. Um, can you tell us a bit about how that opportunity came to be?
1: Well, when I, uh, when I retired, I thought I was going to just come back and ranch, right? And, uh, I always loved cattle and horses and We'd set ourselves up over the years at the at the ranch here, just outside of Red Deer. And uh, uh, so I, uh, that's just what we can do, bring the kids back home and get settled in here. And uh, I, I basically that's what we were doing. And in November, I believe it was, Terry Simpson was coaching the team here in Red Deer. And Terry coached me in Long Island for a year and a half there in Long Island before he got let go. and. Uh, when Al stepped down, this was, I don't know, year like seven, eight or something, and Terry coached a year and a half, then Al came back. But yeah. um, Terry just called me and said, hey, would you want to come in and help our defense um, or help our centermen with face-offs and stuff like that? So I said, sure. And he said, maybe I just help out in practice. So I got in and I had been coming to the odd game, watching the odd game uh, watching Mooner walk up the steps, up to the That's press right. box to do his, to do his thing. And I used to sit on that side of the rink and sit and just watch games, just quietly kind of the rink, watch and go, leave and go home. And, um, so I kind of knew their team a little bit, the way their players were playing and everything that. So I came in and, and, uh, and initially Terry to so just come in one day a week. Well, it ended up being coming almost every day. You know, you get back into the swing of things, right? And, uh, and then they had the All-Star game in Lethbridge that year. And Terry said, hey, do you wanna come with me to the, the All-Star game? I said, sure. So we jumped in the car and we're on our way down there. And uh, Terry says to me, uh, we're looking at selling the Rebels. Um, he said, uh, we think you'd have any interest. And I was like, I never even thought of it, right? Like I was like, oh, I don't know. So during the game, I sit and watching an All-Star game and then my wheels get turned and I'm like, okay, well, does this make sense? And so we're coming home and they, uh, I said, Terry, I said, uh, I would have interest, um, but I need to see the books. And so they, he said, yep, no, for sure. So I got uh, two accounts in town, my lawyers, and we, uh, they gave us the books and yeah, we, we went through the books, and I think that was in January, and I think we closed on the deal on May 11th or something like that, or May 13th, somewhere in that, in that yep. time, Uh where it was officially that, yes, uh, you know, my family bought the team, myself and my wife and kids, and, uh yeah, and the rest is history, and it's been 20, 21 years now, Muner. 20 yep. years? Yeah, twenty-one years. So, yeah, so did, did that you was in ninety nine. Fancy
0: yourself a business person at that
1: point? Like you, you know, know what? Let's see I, the books. You know what? I I was always um, in worked with that side of it, intrigued with that side of how the game business side of the game worked. Uh, I used used to lo- ask a lot of questions and long on to bill when i was in uh, chicago i spent a lot of time with mr mr Pulford. my last year and a half there he was a gm and bob murray who's gm in anaheim um so i was hurting quite a bit so I, I got a chance to understand some things on the business side of it and you know you just you, you've been around the game for so long you understand how it works right and uh uh you know it was i remember my meeting here with terry and uh he said to me, he said, because uh, he, he came back after I bought the team, he, he kind of was thinking about wanting to stay on as consultant. And I said, well, I need some time to think about it. And uh, But I, it's funny how you end up being the coach and GM. It wasn't designed that way. Yeah, Just that after I paid for the team. I couldn't afford to hire anybody else.
0: <laughs>
1: and and <laughs> did you shirts like, skates too? <laughs> I was like, okay, that's how's this gonna work financially with the books? And they and the accounts even told me, and my lawyer sat down and said, Brent, like, you're gonna have to do this. It's time, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, because we had a ten year plan put together that how we could pay the team off in ten years. And uh, at the time, I paid three point two five million for the team. Now you gotta understand, I didn't make big money. Like in the league, it was my last two years that, uh, you know, the money got, you know, I was into the million dollar range salaries, but, yep. uh, you know, I was, I was buying land. I was, had the farm back home. I was like investing a lot of money. So I had to put everything I had or our family had up as collateral to put their money from the bank to purchase the team, And, uh, and so it was a fine line. And um <sighs> So we made it work, uh, got the deal done. Uh, we had the press conference, and I said in the press conference that the Red Rebels would win the Memorial Cup within three years. And everyone's eyes kind of probably were like, "Holy shit!" Like, mm. it's, it's, <laughs> "Good luck." And uh, but you know what? Um, and Munter can confess with this that mm. the Rebels had done a really good job drafting. Uh, the last couple years before that and there were some really good young players coming in um, We had to get some off-ice issues straightened around here had to get the kids more committed discipline uh, I Wanted to run it like a pro team, but obviously Under a financial restraint like junior hockey can run so I was very strict. I was very disciplined uh, Everyone bought in uh, we had to change staff around Um uh, Upstairs, uh, you know, Mooner's been here for a long, long time and, you know, things were just not the way I envisioned inside of an office. I wanted to be a, a team in the office. I wanted everyone to, you know, to just like down in your dressing room, you want everyone to be close. And, and I just felt that being distant upstairs, so I had to make changes upstairs. Uh, it's pretty bad when the owner owns a team and he, had, he hates to come to his office, right? and so was that
0: that was more of the team dynamic rather than the individual skill set.
1: Yeah, that had, that, that was, so I had to get that all changed because I, I, I came from where I came from championships teams right along Island and, and first class organizations in there in Chicago. And you, you knew how it had to run. You knew how close everybody was. You knew that it's as important upstairs for your office upstairs to be totally engaged with each other and have a team upstairs, just like you do downstairs. And, uh, I, to me, that was a big part of it. It always starts up top, right? If you're up top, isn't, isn't sound, isn't together. There isn't structure then nothing's going to be that way downstairs. And when I bought the team, it was like two different things, right? Like Wayne Simpson's Terry's brother worked upstairs, Terry worked downstairs. He was a GM and coach, but they never talked, you know, and and it was just, you could see it and you could see the tension in the office and and some people had worked a long time for Wayne uh, here at the Rebels because when Terry was gone, Wayne ran the team, and um, so it was—it was just time for a change in the office. And I knew it; I sensed it. So I made that. But that was really the biggest part of all of it was putting the right people in place up here and getting it going the right way, and and everybody understanding that. Okay, this is this is the structure. This is the way we're going to do it. Uh, And then it was my job downstairs and I had Peter Anhold with me that year as my assistant coach, which was awesome because he'd been around the league for a while. He knew, knew the league, knew the teams. He understood the way, the way it had to be done, the way I wanted it done. And, you know, and it worked out that way. And unfortunately Peter left the the next summer. uh, And, uh, but, um, you know, it was just kind of the start of it. And, and yet we had all those picks and, I think from – and you know, downstairs, as far as the hockey side of it, I knew there needed to be changes, and we slowly did it. I think there was like three or four straight Tuesdays in one month. We traded a player every Tuesday, so everyone was scared of Tuesdays, (laughs) and uh, um, and so they come in the rank, the players would be scared, oh, shit, it's Tuesday, and then another one of us are (laughs) going, right? But it needed to change because just the culture. The culture of having success and winning was and I just didn't feel it I just didn't you know when, when you've been there have done it have seen it you know it right you yeah. feel it know it I didn't feel it and I so I knew I had to make changes and we went on and won the memorial cup in our second year and off that team there's only three players from the year before that was on that team wow and so we made a lot of changes and we we but we had you know, they did such a good job of drafting, like we had the Kobe Armstrongs come in, the Joel Steps, the Boyd Gordons, the Doug Lynches. Um, we were able to treat, trade for Martin Urat, and Ross Lukaschuk. I mean, big trades, right? And uh, um, that really, our team, Jim Vandermeer was our captain, you know, and uh, uh, we just, yeah, and, but it was that, to me, it was more than anything. That's fine to say you have all these guys, but it was the culture that created it, right? It was just that everyone understood. Okay, we're in this to have success. We're in this to win. We got to do things right off the ice. We know we can have our freedom at the right time, but it's got to be controlled. And uh, and we, uh, I think, right from our front office, right down with our staff, uh, right into you know downstairs staff, everyone just. And I can guess best guys to ask is lunar on that is that everyone just really bought into it. And we just came to came together. Just build yeah. off there and we came together and it's run that way ever since. I mean, obviously we've had some tough years on the ice at times and that's part of junior hockey and we always would love to have more success. Yeah. But the one thing that I can always look myself in the in the mirror every morning is saying that we do it the right way. Uh, we don't cut corners. Um, uh, we make sure that uh, everyone's taken care of. Make sure the players are looked after. Uh, you know, it's a it's the city of Red Deer, Central Alberta is a great place to play hockey. Um, the fans are outstanding. Our sponsors are outstanding. Um, but that all happens because of your culture, right? And uh, and I just you know through it all we we've we've. Uh, we've We've obviously, it's like the times, right? You have to change with the times, and we change. And I've always said to our Papa staff, is that, you know, I don't want to be someone that's, uh, I want, I want, I do want change. I do want to look at things and I do want ideas and, and throw new things out there. And if it doesn't work, that's fine. But don't throw it away because a couple or three years later, it may work. It might, and, yeah. uh, and let's, let's just, Let's just make sure we have a pulse for that all the time, and and I and you know, Mooner's been here how many years now, Mooner? Um, Twenty-two. Yeah, and you know, and part of that still you
0: rookie, I hear. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. Part, part, yeah, part of that, part of that is bringing youth in as you're doing it, right? Because I found that the coaching side of it, just the last couple of years, it's I'm a better uh i'm better off downstairs as a head coach to have a younger staff that can really relate well with the way the kids think today and uh because i'm you know i'm 58 years old now right so um you know and i've still got a little bit old school in me and and yet you know what that's good that's all right because there's some things in the game that should never change and uh and never will and and you have to be hard on those things and that's like discipline that's like you know work ethic that's like being good teammates uh looking after each other taking care of each other uh you know those things should never change right that's 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 always going to be part of it being a good team and but sometimes with the you know with the just the way the games played in certain things it's good to have a younger you know younger opinions on it like in Mooner can confess for this. There's many nights where I'll walk up in the dresser up in the co- office, and Mooner's got as good of a view as anybody to watch games. And I'll say to Cam, like, "What do you think of the game tonight? Like, what did you see?" And um, and Mooner's honest about his opinion, and you know, I take all that to heart, right? It's not like I just hear it and go away and don't think about it. You know, you're up all night thinking about what Mooner might have might have said to you about the game, or what someone else might have talked yep. about the game, or things, and Um, and the office, the office is outstanding because it, it runs itself in a sense where everyone knows what they're doing and how it has to be done. Knows Uh, their role. Yeah, knows their role perfect. And son Merrick is, uh, is my vice president of business and he's got a real good grasp and how it works and how the league works. And, um, he's very intelligent, very smart and, um, but uh, you know, just everybody, Dean and Sean and Mooner and Nelson and my wife, Connie, and uh, we hired a girl, Erin, uh, Rochelle, our administrative assistant's been here um, uh, since, since the beginning. She was my first hire back in 1999, so she knows all the dynamics, how it works around the league and how things are done, and the young girl, young girl we brought in here, Erin, she last year she came on board it's, it's just a different vibe right she's got different ideas and that's right that's what i want to see that's what i want so it's, when you been, look, when, it's been good
0: when you look back at those 20 years do you find like the business side of of the team what did it run parallel with the performance side of the of the team or did you see you know successes and failures that really weren't tied together that way
1: no i i, I think some of it is related for sure i mean there's uh, uh you know obviously everyone wants to have success on the ice and your fans want to come and watch a winning yeah. team but i think everyone understands and knows it's junior hockey too and it you got it's three four history. year cycles of oh. and uh and I and the thing is unique in redger here is it's the entertainment value right making sure your games are exciting and entertaining yeah. and, um, and people it's it's a social event on a weekend here and people love to come and watch Rebels hockey and, and win lose or draw you better make sure your team yeah, went, yeah. went through the wall yeah. play their hardest and that's what they appreciate and yeah. yet obviously we all want to have success and win um, that's all part of it we all want to have good teams and uh, but, uh, when you look
0: uh, ahead for the, um, for the game, for the, for the business of the game, what are, what are some of your thoughts, Brent? Next five to 10 years? No, well, let, let's take this year as a bit of a, a not, big blip. <laughs> right? Yeah,
1: uh, yeah, no, for sure. This year, it's not the norm. Um, but I, you know, I, I think in general coming out of this year, I think that, you know, everybody's going to want to see it back to normal. I don't know what normalcy is going to look like. I don't think any of us do. Um, but uh, uh, I, to be honest, I don't even know what the health officials know what normalcy is going to be, right? And But I think all in all, everyone loves sports. Everyone loves the game of hockey. We're in Canada. Uh, you're, you know, and uh, we just got to continue to move ahead with our business on that side of it and making sure that we're doing things the right way, and there could be some tweaks with the dynamics around it um that has changed that we're going to have to change with but uh um you know i listen hockey is a great game and it's a great game to be involved with whether you're a player coach a broadcaster a trainer working up in the front office uh it's a great it's a great sport and it's our culture here right and uh Uh, Red Deer is a great city to have a major junior team in and uh, uh, you know I but you're always when you ask me change I guess my biggest thing is that whether it was in the past or now or in the future things always do change along the way and you have to adapt to it and you have to have a vision right and for me it's people say you know how do you have so many hats? You know how do you how do you manage it all? I find it really easy to be quite honest. Um, you know, my wife tells me I have I have uh, two or three different personalities. You know, and uh, uh, <laughs> you could feed be. them all. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like you got to think like an owner some days. Uh, yeah. You got to think like a coach on game days. Uh, um, when I like I tell the players when I walk out of that coach's room and come upstairs. I'm becoming a general manager now, and uh, I can't think like I like I was downstairs as a coach. Like, I, I got to make some decisions that are, you know, whether it's things that you got to do with trades or whatever, yeah. um, you know, you got to think like a general manager. And then, and then as an owner, you got to think like an owner. And when the season's over, I'm a very patient guy. And the reason why I use that is that, uh, say it that way, is that, I want to do a proper evaluation of everything, right? Like from a coach's perspective, uh, you know, you got to sit back, you meet with your players, you get them home and then it's like a two or three week thing or a month where I'll say, okay, I got to put my owner's hat on now okay. and uh, I got to see where our mis- what where our goods and bads were on the management of it. And then after a while, and I assess that whether it's talking to Sean, myself, or anybody upstairs, and I assess all that. And then then I'll put my GM's hat on and I'll say, okay, how did I, how did we do on the coaching side? Like, were things we can improve on? Were things that we were um, we missed on? Because uh, at the end of the day, on that aspect, if each player couldn't get each player to reach the maximum of their potential then where did he miss and so you got to reevaluate that and did do you have the you know you have the right staff uh uh, am i still the right coach for the team and there's many times i've thought about stepping away and yet i've had people come to me in the hockey world and why would you like here's You're still the best coach there, like well you're just gonna be hard to replace. And I and I and then I don't take that on it, I take that as a not from being me the coach, but taking it from someone tell me to me the general manager owner, you still have the right coach. Yeah, and uh and I you know and I ask questions, I'll you know, I'll ask people around the office, I'll talk to in the hockey world and like no, like Go out and try to find someone to replace you. It's going to be tough, right? You and, take uh,
0: the, the same approach with, uh, yeah. You, know, you have a pretty sizable side business, uh, uh cattle ranch operation. Uh, yeah. Co- co- what couple hundred?
1: Men, yeah, well, we were. And, yeah, we were up. We were calving up to five hundred plus here about wow. three years ago, and I it was just getting to be too much. And uh, I've always had help out there. I've always had a couple hired yeah. men, um, which has been awesome. Um, and, uh, but then I downsized and we're about around 200 head of cows cabin now and we start cabin in January. Uh, but I, I leave that up to, you know, I'm out there helping at nights and whatever when I'm home and, but during the day I'm focused in here. Um, uh, as far as when I come to work, uh, they, they manage it, they know how it runs, uh, Here in the summer I spend a lot of time working on the farm because you're not in the office as much and to be quite honest some of the best times for thinking and looking at things whether it's through you know you'll come in the office and you'll have a meeting with your staff and it'll be an awesome meeting good bad or whatever it is and I'll go home and I'm on the tractor or whatever and and it's it's quiet time right i don't turn the radio on i just sit there I am supposed to but i think a lot i think about okay how that meeting went today where things that we can address and improve or yep. be better at or you know so you, it's a real it's not like you're doing it right in your office and i think it's a real for a therapy for myself it's unbelievable and uh uh, find that thing and, to, uh, out of your norm yep and 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 but to be thinking about what your norm is but how can you correct your norm how are things right. you can improve or make better and uh um and until you're in it yep. it's hard to explain yep. and people don't really understand it but um but i you know like yeah i mean it's 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 we it's it's a business too and you have to run it that way and uh but it's my life right uh I'm not going to retire ever because I don't believe it. I don't believe in that word. Uh, um, I just, I didn't retire from playing hockey. I, I stepped down as a player. I never, ever, I never, ever told anybody I've retired from playing hockey. I never will. I stepped down as a player and I got involved in, in ranching and bought a hockey team and run that, but I'm never going to use the word retire. I just, to me, I'm just not going to do that. Yeah.
0: I really appreciate how you you know you talk about the different hats that you wear from from owner to GM to coach and and just really set your thinking to that role and and treating as such and not not letting those worlds mix up and and probably end up making a lot better decisions uh, at at the end
1: of the day. Um, yeah. Brent, the one thank thing you. I will oh, say, the one thing please. I will say is that my wife and kids tell me like I'll be watching games at home. And honest to God, they'll have conversations with me. And I don't remember what the conversation was because <laughs> I'm so dialed in and watching, watching a game or thinking about, okay, how can we implement that into our team or into our mm-hmm. thing? And so they, they went, if I'm watching something on TV and they see them in that zone, they just leave me be because they said it's no use to even discuss anything with you. So
0: yeah,
1: that, that, you know, but that's, that's who I am. That's my personality. Um, Rob, I'm, uh, uh, but you know what? I have always say this, anything you have that involves people, doesn't matter whether you own it, work inside of it, whatever, it doesn't matter. It only works or runs as well as the people that are inside of it, around it. And if you surround yourself with great people, good things will happen. And, And I've been very, very fortunate to have that inside this organization and basically in my life right from when I was growing up right through. To my where I am today, that's awesome.
0: Well, I'm I'm going to end it on that note. That was a uh, um, just great advice for whatever your business is, whether it's uh, raising cattle or or hockey players. And and uh, um, thank you so much for your time, Brent. Hearing. Um, the stories of, yeah, the Stanley Cup wins, and, and what a career you had, and, and so glad you could join camp.
1: Dwayne, Dwayne getting peed on. Yeah, Dwayne getting <laughs> yeah, peed on. Uh, that, that never you, gets old.
0: If you, son, uh, you know, no. I, can, I can picture that well, fan I, running I, down I, the... I, yeah,
1: <laughs> I hate the as he's turned around, giving him a finger <laughs> as he runs away with a Ranger jacket uh, on, right? Awesome.
0: <laughs> nice, nice. Well, folks, I'm Rob Lulliger and uh, my good man, Cam Moon. This has been the Top Cheddar podcast. Thank you, Brent Sutter, for joining us uh, today. And uh, have a great day, everyone. We'll talk
1: to you soon. Yeah, thanks, Rob. Thanks, Cam.
2: Yep, thanks.